Go ahead and give him thanks. Father, we praise and bless and honor you. Labo zekele de babra gada sokele de baba lebro sakele de bambra gando goloda bo zekele ne mambre gede sekele de baya age bo zekeada. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Father. In the name of Jesus, Father, we rejoice that tonight we have this another opportunity to fellowship in the light of your word. And we thank you, Lord, that every time we come together to fellowship, we're excited because we are never the same. So tonight, the entrance of your word, give it light. It give it understanding to the simple. With joy, we draw water from the wells of salvation. We receive the engrafted word that is able to save our souls. And I decree that tonight, everyone connected to this service, revelation knowledge is gifted you. The eyes of your understanding flooded with light, strengthened with might by the spirit in the inner man. And we decree that tonight the word comes with clarity. Your people are built up, equipped, edified, and Jesus is glorified. So we rejoice that by the end of this service tonight, nobody lives here the same way they came. We give you praise, glory, and honor for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name, and every believer says a powerful amen. amen. Glory! Can we give the Lord a greatest shout in this building tonight? Glory! Amen. Lift your right hands to heaven. Let's release our faith together. As we say these words, I am born of God. I am born of the world. The word of God is my nature. I do not struggle to do the word. I do the word naturally. Therefore today, I will understand the word of his grace. I will be built up. By the end of this service, I will never be the same. Never ever be the same again. In Jesus name. And every believer says a powerful amen. Are we excited to fellowship with one another in the word tonight? Give the Lord a greatest shout. Hallelujah. Glory. Amen. Grab your pen, your notebook, your Bible. You can be seated with your sweet, smart self tonight as we get into the word of his grace. We want to welcome everybody connected to this service around the world by way of Kingdom Life Network, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, all of our social media community, brothers and sisters online. What a joy, what an honor to have all of you connected to this service. Guys, it's going to be an exciting adventure in the word of his grace. You want to call a friend, a family member, you want to call a loved one to tune into this service, share the videos, drop them in as many groups as possible, tag some people, and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure you do that. You know, like the video on the YouTube channel is Able, Able Damina Ministries International. Make sure you subscribe, like the, the channel, and you know, just engage in the course of the service. Let's get this word to the ends of the world, or the ends of the earth. Also, for those of you that have been tweeting in the course of the service is hashtag Christianity and it's been an exciting week. Has it been an exciting week of learning? It's been an exciting week. A lot of things coming to light, coming to a place of our understanding. So tonight is going to be another adventure. We want to welcome the radio audience wherever you're hearing the sound of my voice. What a joy to have all of you as part of our church family. Wherever you're hearing me tonight, I'd like you to call a friend, a family member. Ask them to tune to this radio station right now. Life is flowing through the airwaves. 
all our campuses around the world, saints of God, citizens all over the nations. We're glad to welcome all of you to the service. Help us, you know, get everybody to be part of the service tonight. And guys, it's going to be exciting as we adventure in the word of his grace. All right, grab your Bibles tonight. We're still examining understanding the call of God. Understanding the call of God. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 16. Ephesians chapter 1 verse number 16. Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Next verse. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Take note of the word inheritance. Did I tell you to take note of that word two days ago? The word inheritance. The riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. The word inheritance. Usually when we say inheritance, the context of your words must be Bible words. Don't ever forget that. The context of your words when studying the Bible must be Bible words. This, you know, during the teaching ministry of Jesus in the four gospels, there was no book of Romans. There was no Matthew. There was no Mark. There was no Luke. There was no John. There was no book of Acts. Neither was there Ephesians, Galatians, Romans, first and second Corinthians. All he had was Genesis to Malachi. That's all Jesus had. And that was all the apostles had. Genesis to Malachi. In Luke chapter 24, verse 25 to 27, on the way to Emmaus, when he made the disciples of his, they were discussing, you know, the events of the past two days. He said unto them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory, pay attention, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures. The things concerning himself. The things concerning himself. Look at verse 44 and 45 of that Luke 24. Verse 44 and 45. And he said unto them, These are the words which I speak unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms, concerning me next verse then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures that they might understand what the scriptures all right so when they said the scriptures always they were making reference to genesis to malachi or what we call the old testament in second timothy chapter 3 verse 15 and 16 brother paul says to timothy and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Next verse. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, 
for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So, again, Paul's reference of scriptures are the Old Testament. You've known the Holy Scriptures, Old Testament. All scriptures, Old Testament. Nobody preached or taught from the epistles. They all taught and they all preached from the scriptures of the prophets. Look at Romans chapter 1 verse 2. The way brother Paul will communicate these same thoughts to the church at Rome. Which he had promised afore by his prophets in the holy scriptures. By his prophets in the holy scriptures. Alright, so the scriptures of the prophets. In Matthew chapter 5 verse 17, Jesus is also speaking. Matthew chapter 5 verse 17. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill the law or the prophets. Next verse 18 now. Pay attention. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. So they called it the law and the prophets. While we use Old and New Testament, Jesus in his time, they used the law and the prophets or what they will call Moses and the prophets. So what they had was called the scriptures or the law and the prophets. And that's the only place where you will not find anyone in the book of Acts referring to the book of Romans or Ephesians. Because all they had was the law and the prophets or Moses and the prophets or what we call today the Old Testament. Everyone referred to the Old Testament. Now, why do I say that? Because your definition of words must be Bible definitions. Your definition of biblical words must be Bible definitions. For example, I have said this before. You know, if I wrote a book today, and okay, like I'm writing books. So let's say one of my books in the course of writing, I told a story where I said, and on my way to this particular service where these events happened, it rained cat and dogs. It rained cat and dogs. And the previous week after the Sunday service, it also rained cat and dogs. Last Sunday was cat and dogs, man. It also rained cat and dogs. And But in the midst of the rain, certain events happened. Right? So I've written a book today. In another 50 years time from now, when other people who are at that time or who are born in that time will grab a copy of that book that I wrote 50 years ago and I told a story containing cat and dogs. If that, if that, if that phrase is no more in use at that time and is no more common at that time and even in use, when somebody picks my book to read and he sees that it rained cat and dogs, in his mind what he's picturing is cat and dogs were falling from the sky. Why? Because when that phrase was in use, he was not born. Now that he is born, that phrase doesn't exist anymore. So in his mind, cat is cat, dog is dog. And he will now begin to wonder how cat and dogs were falling from the sky. It will now take somebody that was here at this time, who is still there at that time, to say no. When the author wrote this book, there was a quote like cat and dogs raining. 
But it just meant that the rain was heavy. It's not like cat and dogs fell from the sky. Alright? So what that person is doing to that person at that time is he's interpreting what the author communicated. Like I've always said, the scriptures can never mean today what it never meant when it was first written. So to understand scripture, you must sit where they sat and hear what they heard. That is why biblical words must be explained within the context of scriptures. So that's why whatever Jesus taught was referenced from the scriptures. Whatever the apostles taught was referenced from the scriptures. So when you hear a word inheritance, you need to pay attention. Because inheritance at that time may not be what inheritance is today. Now, so the context of what he said will be the context of the Old Testament. So when you see words of scripture in the four gospels, you must look for its meaning in the Old Testament. You must look for its meaning in the Old Testament. Even Paul taught from the Old Testament. So when you have the word inheritance, that phrase inheritance is used a couple of times. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18. Let's look at them. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. The riches of his glory or the riches of the glory of his inheritance will be found in the saints or amongst the saints. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 14. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1 verse 14. Which is the NS of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. The earnest of our inheritance. Colossians 1.12 Colossians chapter 1 verse 12 Giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Partakers of the inheritance of the saints and those saints are in light. Acts chapter 20 verse 32. Acts of the Apostles chapter 20 verse 32. And now brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. So usually because of how we hear inheritance, when someone comes to you and says, you have inheritance, you assume that the inheritance is money or physical stuff. That's not bad. That's a good way to think, okay? Now, <clears throat> but if you go to the Old Testament and you see the word inheritance, there are two words. The first word is kleronomos. Kleronomos. K-L-E for those making notes. K-L-E-R-O-N-O-M-I-A. Kleronomia. Okay, kleronomos. K-L-E-R-O-N-O-M-O-S. Kleronomos. It's taken from two words. The first one 
is kleronomos. The second one is kleronomia. K-L-E-R-O-N-O-M-I-A. Kleronomia. K-L-E-R-O-N-O-M-I-A. Taking from just a word. Inheritance. Kleronomos and kleronomia. Alright? Alright, now, it means to give you a part. To give you a part. That's what it means. Or, to give you a portion. A portion. Now, the portion usually in the Old Testament is referring to a land. A land. The portion refers to a land. I repeat myself. The portion always refers to a land. God called Abraham to inherit a land. He showed him the land. The inheritance stems from a land. He called him to show him a land. Look at Genesis chapter 12 verse 1. Please pay attention. Genesis chapter 12 verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Next verse. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. To a land I will show you. Now look at me everybody. Those of you that are into real estate or you're into landed property business, how many of you will follow a developer to a land he will show you? <laughs> how many of you will follow a developer or somebody wants to sell you land? He says, um, get out of your house, come and follow me to a land I will show you. Is there anybody like that? Hello? For God to say, I will show you, which means he will see the land by revelation. I will show you. It means the land will be by revelation. If it wasn't revelation, he will have described the place. He will have said, the land that I want to sell to you, when you go down towards five star, when you get to five star, where you have the end of Waniba Road, by that roundabout, where you go into Ibom Hotels, on the left hand, when you look up, you will see a property that has not been cultivated. At least you've described something. But when you now say, come, let me take, go and let me show you, let me take you to a land I will show. He's not talking about a description He's talking about revelation knowledge. He's talking about revelation. And consistently in Genesis, that land always appeared to Abraham in a vision. That land always appeared to Abraham in a vision. In Genesis chapter 13, when he had Lord who decided to go to Sodom precisely, what did the Lord do? Look at Genesis chapter 13 verse 14. Please follow me carefully. Genesis 13 14 and I'm going to read to verse 16. 
And the Lord said unto Abraham, after that Lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art, northward, southward, eastward, westward. Next verse. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it unto thy seed forever. Next verse. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Next verse. Arise. Arise. Walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Abraham is kneeling down. God shows him the land westward, eastward, northward, southward. And the people in the land are like the sand of the sea. Then God says, stand up and trek. Trek to the length, the breadth. Trek all over. That can be natural. That's a vision. That is a revelation. Because it's not possible for him to have walked the length and the breadth of the land. So the Lord was consistently giving Abraham a revelation of the land. Don't miss that. A revelation of the land. Now notice that there are two things God interchangeably used when talking to Abraham. He talked about a place and he talked about a people. A place and a people. So Abraham's inheritance was never property. He already had property. He moved from his father's house with property to where God was going to show him. In case you didn't know, Abraham was not a poor guy. He had property. When God said, get out of your father's house, he didn't just stand up and say, Sarah, let us go. No. Go to Genesis chapter 12, verse number 5. So you know that Abraham was not just some pauper somewhere that stood up and went broke to where God would show him. And Abraham took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance, all what? Their substance. They took all what? Their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. They had human beings, they had substance. So they were not poor, they were not broke, they had property. He went with property, and he went with people. So Abraham was called from wealth. He was not called into wealth. He was called from wealth. God wasn't calling him to make him wealthy. He was already wealthy. So God gave Abraham inheritance. So what is the inheritance that God gave to Abraham? God called Abraham to be a part of something. Inheritance means to be a part of something. You are going to be a part of something. Now pay attention. When you inherit... It means, look at me everybody, if someone gives you an inheritance, it belongs to him. So he says, come and be part of something. 
inheritance is when somebody says, come and have a part in something that belongs to me. Come and share in a portion of what belongs to me. So what belongs to someone, he gives you to be a part. I have told you, inheritance is come and be a part or come and take part in something. What is God's own in the earth? What belongs to God in the earth? The whole earth. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. So what does God intend the earth to be? From what I taught you yesterday. What does God intend the earth to be? His house. So which means it belongs to him. The earth is the Lord's. Yesterday we said Genesis is the foundation of God's building. Genesis is the foundation of God's plan. So God has a building and that is the plan. God intends to build. God has an intent to build his house and build his home on the earth. The earth is his house, but the earth has not yet become his home. So God is on a mission to turn the house into a home. He has made the earth his house. So if he wants to give you a part, what will God give you a part of? Huh? To be a part of the making of his home. To be a part of his home. And it is his home. Question. What is God's home? Things or people? Huh? But where do people dwell? In the earth. So, God's part is both people and place. Both people and place. The people are in a place. So he calls Abraham to inherit what he has. What does he have? The earth as his dwelling place. That is why you will find interchangeably, God talks to Abraham about land and seed. Land and seed. Land and people. So inheritance is to be a part of what God is doing in the earth. Don't think inheritance is what you get from somebody when he is dead. In the Bible, inheritance means to be a partaker of something or to be a part of something. Or to be given a part of something. So Abraham had wealth. Which means Abraham was not trying to use God to be wealthy. He already had wealth. Now look at Romans chapter 4 verse 12. Pay attention. Romans chapter 4 verse 12. And the father of circumcision to them which are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had been yet uncircumcised. Now let's read together like a mass choir, verse 13. Everybody slowly want to go. For the promise 
that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. What was the promise to Abraham? That he should be what? The heir of the world. The owner of the world. The owner of the world. Remember? Foundation and end. Foundation and end. So his heir is a part of the world. Which world? Physical world or the temple of God? Temple of God. Psalm 24 verse 1. The earth is the Lord. Psalm 24 verse 1. Mm-mm. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. Has that happened today? Huh? Is everyone on earth now belonging to God's world? Huh? So it has not happened yet. But that is the eventual plan. That is what God desires and is working on. That is what we call the end of the world. So if Abraham is called to be an heir of the world, is it of a particular nation or when the world is filled with his glory? Filled with his glory. So Abraham is an heir. Which means every time God is showing him that land, He is showing Abraham the end. The end. The end of the world. He kept showing him the end of the world. He says, no one shall be able to number it. He shows him the stars and the sand. Like the sand in the seashore. The stars and the sand is the end. The stars and the sand is the end. So God kept showing Abraham the end. Let's review it a bit. The land he kept showing Abraham, is that the end? The stars and the sand he kept showing Abraham, is that the end? So Abraham kept seeing the end. The end is that no one shall be able to number them. No one shall be able to number them. So Abraham is called to be a part of what? Huh? What was he seeing? The end. So what is Abraham called to be a part of? The end of the world. To be a part of the end of the world. What is the end of the world? When the earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. Are you still here? What was the beginning? Genesis 1.28 Replenish the earth multiply, subdue it and have dominion that was the beginning that was the intent what will be the end when the earth is filled with the glory of God what will be the end the end will be that God has finished his home God has finished his home so inheritance is the land Abraham was called unto. The inheritance is the land Abraham was called unto. Be part of what God is doing. That's why Paul says inheritance 
among the sanctified. Are you still here? Inheritance amongst the sanctified. In Acts chapter 26 verse 18. Let's go there. Acts chapter 26 verse number 18. The mandate or the call of brother Paul. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan unto God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins. And inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12. Giving thanks unto the Father which had made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Inheritance of the saints in light. Inheritance among them which are sanctified by the faith that is in me. Please pay attention. Which means inheritance is specific. Inheritance refers to believers. Believers. So when you are called to inherit, you are now a part of the saints. That is the inheritance. You are part of God's world. You are part of his household. That is the inheritance. So the inheritance is not physical acquisition. Because Abraham already had that. That inheritance refers to God's ultimate plan for the earth. The ultimate plan of God for the earth. Look at Psalms chapter 2 verse 7. Please pay attention. Psalms chapter 2 verse 7. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I forgot, begotten thee. How many of you know that this scripture is always used in the New Testament in reference to Jesus? Okay, good. Now, next verse. Verse 8. Mm. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the hidden for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. So anybody who says, receive your inheritance, is deceiving you. He's stealing from you. Because you have that inheritance already. You are a part of what God is doing on the earth. Say with me very loud, there's a call of God on my life. Very loud, there's a call of God on my life. I am a part of what God is doing on the earth today. Now said very loud, I am in the center of the will of God on the earth today. Say with me, I am a part of God's big plan on the earth today. I didn't hear a powerful amen. I mean, there can be no greater joy than to know that you are a part of what God is doing. You are not just on the sideline. You are right in the center of the action. I thought somebody would shout hallelujah. Verse 8, uttermost part of the earth. So, it's end of the earth for your possession. So, which means the inheritance is number one, what you belong to at salvation. What you belong to at salvation. 
That is the inheritance. What you belong to at salvation. Now because you belong to what God is doing at salvation, you are now a part of his salvation plan. It now becomes a responsibility to you. It now becomes a responsibility to you. The uttermost part of the earth. So when Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth is given unto me, is that inheritance? Huh? Yes. Go ye therefore, make disciples of what? All nations. Is that the inheritance? Yes. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and lo, I am with you till the end of the world. Is that inheritance? Yes. Acts 1.8 But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Is that the inheritance? Yes. So when we go to preach the gospel, we are walking in his inheritance. When we go to preach, when we go for evangelism, we are walking in his inheritance. And I told you yesterday, the greatest honor that God can put on your life is to call you to be a co-laborer with him in his mission upon the earth. To be a co-laborer with him. That two of you are collaborating together in the execution of his divine agenda. No honor can be greater than that. <clears throat> we are walking in his inheritance. That is why the Old Testament kept using the inheritance as land. Land is where people are. No one has ever given the desert. People are giving land. Desert is the exact opposite of the inheritance. Where people are is inheritance. So when he says, the riches of the glory of his inheritance amongst the saints, which means every power citizen, everyone that is listening to me right now, and all the saints that are connected to this service, that is God's inheritance. Glory to God. All of us are God's inheritance. All those that are saved, those that have answered the call to salvation, we are God's inheritance. So, for him to say, to show him the land. That's why Abraham kept receiving the revelation of that land. Or of that inheritance. Because God showed to Abraham the end of the world. It's an inheritance that has to be seen by revelation. It's an inheritance that has to be seen by revelation. I have told you that the Christian walk is a supernatural one. You have to see it by revelation. Now can you see why it was so important to brother Paul to pray that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may receive wisdom which is insight and the revelation of the spirit so you can see that inheritance. You are a part of that inheritance but now that you are a part of it it has become your responsibility to bring others 
into this glorious inheritance. It is called those that are sanctified. Now, Abraham saw it in Genesis chapter 15. But Abraham got in the flesh. Like we do sometimes. And he said, God, you know, God, you know, I've tried. I've tried. You promised me a seed. You promised me. I've been waiting now. And it has gotten to a point where my wife and I are on retirement. I have believed you for it up until this point. But the doctors just came out with a report that my wife does not just have menopause, she has double menopause. And I am dead. God have tried. Let Eliezer, my house boy, let Eliezer inherit everything you have promised me. Let Eliezer, my house boy, my servant, take the inheritance. God said, no, that's not the plan. The plan is, only they that will come out of your bowel will take the inheritance. So Abraham, it's possible Sarah's womb is dead and you are dead. That was the plan. The plan is, you and Sarah will not produce. Because it will not be of works. It will not be of power. It will be of grace. So that's why you and Sarah will have to retire. When it is impossible for you to have children, then grace will kick in. Are we teaching here? Because the work of ministry and the work of the kingdom shall not be done by human ability. It will be done by the power of God. It's not a feed that will it. Not a feed that run it. The race is not to the swift. It's not by might nor by power. It will be by my spirit. God says no. The guy that will walk in this inheritance will come out of your bowels. Look at the stars. Can you count them? So shall your seed be. Genesis 17. He reminded him again. Every time he's talking about the inheritance, God will talk about land and people. His grandson Jacob is running from his brother Esau. He got to a place and decided to sleep. And he goes into sleep and he's using a stone as a pillow. He puts a stone, he sleeps on it, but he's trying to sleep. Then he's in a vision. He sees a ladder angels descending and ascending and the Lord is sitting at the top of the ladder. And he says, is this the land that the Lord is showing me? Is this the land that God says to the east, to the west, to the south, to my father? Which means there's actually no piece of property. He's not talking about a land somewhere. He's talking about the whole earth. Where people will be like sea, like the sand by the seashore and the stars. Now, which means God is not talking about a particular location. Which means God is talking about the whole earth because the only piece of property that has everyone on the earth on it is the earth. So when Jacob saw the vision. He stood up and said, this is the house of God. 
This is the gate of heaven. This is God's house. He's not talking about where the stone was. He's talking about the whole earth. The house of God. Or we can call it the household of God. That's what Jacob saw. So the inheritance was never material things. It was never material things. Let me add this. The first time God will bless man. Did you notice that the first blessing of man was the great commission? (laughs) The, The first blessing that God gave to man was the great commission. And God blessed them and said, so the blessing is via words. Be fruitful. Multiply. Replenish the earth. Subdue it and have dominion. He was not talking to Adam of Genesis 2. He was talking to Adam as in mankind. Be fruitful. Multiply. Replenish the earth. And have dominion. He's not talking to Adam and Eve. He's talking to Adam, mankind. There's no specific person in chapter 1. So it's humankind. Chapter 2 now has Adam and Eve. So to humankind, we are called in the likeness, we are called in the likeness and the image. And our job in the likeness and the image of God is to fill the earth. Fill the earth. The end of the world. That is why Jesus came. The end of the world. That is what Abraham saw. So the inheritance is not land. But it has land. Because people live where? In the land. So the writers of Hebrews said, God called Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to inherit something. And he showed them a land. (laughs) A city which has foundations. Whose builder and maker was God. And that was what Abraham kept seeing. He was seeing people. He was seeing people. So what God showed Abraham was the end. That's why they kept calling themselves strangers and pilgrims in this present world. That is to say, this is not the end. The end is still ahead. I can see the end ahead. When the earth becomes God's home. Filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. As the water covers the sea. A pilgrim is somebody who is on a journey. Abraham is on a journey. And he is still on that journey. All the saints are on that journey. Even the saints that are gone. Believers that have slept in Christ, they have not still arrived. They are still waiting for us to get to the end of this journey. Question, when is the, when is the end? When the whole world is filled with the glory of God. So, all of us are never going to rest. That's why we are pilgrims till the job is done. Teaching good tonight. And all the saints of God who have gone to glory have not rested yet. None of them has rested. They are cheering us on. They are saying, 
Push on, push on. The end is still far. The end of the world is the heart of the Father. The end is still ahead. Push on, push on. The end is the dream of the Father's home. The glory of the riches of his inheritance were in the saints. So when a preacher says, receive your inheritance, tell him, no, sir. No, sir. I already have the inheritance. And someone said, you know, when you see these unbelievers driving, driving Bentleys and Rolls Royces, when you see those, those unbelievers driving Lamborghini, that's your inheritance. That's your inheritance. And one of these days, the wealth of the sinner shall be transferred to the righteous. Only thief. Very ridiculous gospel. It's an entitlement spirit. That thinks that a Christian must be the best in the class. Why should the Christian be the best in the class? Did you read? It's an entitlement spirit. The unbeliever stayed all night reading. All week reading. Was in all classes and lectures. Did extra classes. The Christian did not read. Then he says, I'm the head and not the tail. You will not only be the tail. You will be the bottom, 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 bottom part of the tail. An unbeliever is working hard, working hard, working hard and comes by ideas and begins to manufacture products that solve societal problems and mass produces them and everybody in the country both Muslims, Christians, pagans native doctors everybody is able to use those products for the benefit of their life on earth the Christian is busy praying night and day night and day, night and day now the unbeliever is servicing the society we are all enjoying their product then you now say one of these days God will collect wealth from that unbeliever and give to the believer that is praying. Very ridiculous gospel. Very, very fraudulent gospel. And it's an entitlement spirit. Why should the believer be ahead of the unbeliever when the believer did not read and the unbeliever read? There's no such promise in scripture. That says that you didn't read, but just because you are a child of God, you will be the head and not the tail. There's no such thing. Even the head and not the tail, you are quoting it out of context. Go and read the surrounding environment. There's no such thing. There's no scripture that promises that the believer will do well in academics than the unbeliever, just because he's a believer. That's why Paul would tell you, he that does not walk should get ready to starve. Paul told you in black and white. He that does not walk. Let him that stole steal no more. He didn't say let him go and fast. Let him that stole steal no more. He didn't say let him go and stay in church for they that wait on the Lord shall eat food. He said let him labor with his hand. That which is good. Let him be gainfully employed that he may get so he can be a blessing. I'm teaching you sound apostolic word. 
sound apostolic book. All the unbelievers that you envy. In fact, why must a Christian be the richest man on earth? Why? It's a question. Why? Why must a believer be the richest man on earth? Why? Because he's born again. Why now? An unbeliever is giving himself to produce cars, produce machines, produce generators. The believer has no product to produce other than noise. And then he's waiting for God to convert the money of the unbeliever. That God will be, that God will be some God from your village. Glory to God. It's a very ridiculous gospel. Can you see how ridiculous that gospel is? It doesn't make even Bible sense. It's an entitlement spirit. It's an entitlement spirit. So inheritance in the Bible means to be a part of what God is doing. You are a part. You have been given a path of what God is doing. That is the inheritance. John says of his fullness, have we all received grace and for grace. That's why Paul says you are a joint heir with Jesus. Then, hold on, hold on. You are a joint heir with Jesus. Then he says you are a partaker of his suffering. You are what? <laughs> you are partaker of his office. Because you are a joint heir. So since you are going to inherit everything that belongs to Jesus, part of what belongs to Jesus that he has not yet settled is suffering. So if you are going to partake of his agenda, along with his agenda will come his sufferings. Of course, you know, suffering here is not poverty and, and, and sickness. That's why the apostles went to preach. They were threatened. They were beaten because they were part of his suffering. They came back and they prayed. Lifted up their voices and said, Lord, thou art God. So when you begin to preach and you begin to get persecuted, it's part of it. When you begin to preach and people begin to come up against you, it's part of it. Look at Philippians chapter 1 verse 7, 27. Philippians chapter 1 verse 27. <clears throat> Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. That you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Next verse. And in nothing terrified, by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. In nothing be terrified, because the adversaries will come against you. Look at the next verse. 29. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. It is a gift. Suffering is one of your gifts in Christ. For unto you it is given. 
in the behalf of Christ. Not only to believe on him, but also that's part of the gift of being in Christ. It's part of the inheritance. I'm teaching good tonight. It's part of the inheritance. So suffering is a gift. It is given to you to be opposed. It is given to you to be mocked. It is given to you to be laughed at, to be scorned at. That's your inheritance. That's why in Ephesians, brother Paul is praying that you may know the hope of his calling. The word klesis, K-L-E-S-I-S, klesis from the word kaleo. What is my calling? What is my calling? Somebody says, well, I am called to be a medical doctor. No, sir. <laughs> no, sir. Somebody said, I am called to be a lawyer. No, sir. No, sir. Somebody said, I am called to be a comedian. No, sir. There is no such calling in Christ. In Genesis chapter 1, brought, I mean, the writer of Genesis lays some foundation. It's clear that Jesus had a systematic way of teaching. He always began from Genesis. Always. Now, so in Matthew chapter 19, <clears throat> you know, before I push a little more, some say, so, Dr. Damina, are you saying that as a medical doctor, that's not my calling. That's not your calling. That's your career. Your career is your choice. God never called you to a career. You are the one who chose the career. Maybe in your father's house, there was a doctor that was living opposite and you liked the way he was operating and you admired it. So you went to school with a desire inspired by another medical doctor to be a doctor. On your father's house, there was a mechanic workshop and you like the way they were driving big, 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 big cars. And the mechanic will come out and dismantle them, dismantle them, and couple them together. You admired and decided that in your life, you are going to be a mechanic. So you went and read mechanical engineering. Today you are a mechanic. You deal with mechanical issues. Somebody, maybe you admired doctors. You were exposed to doctors. Or you were exposed to lawyers. And some of you is while you are in school that you had an impression of what you want to be. And then you admired and made the choice. God didn't tell you, read medicine, my son. You made the choice. That's why it's your career. That is not your calling. There is no reward in heaven for medical doctorship. There's no reward in heaven for being a lawyer or a nurse. Or a mechanic or a carpenter. That's why when you do carpentry work now, you collect your pay. Because that's the only reward you will have for that carpentry work. That's why you charge money. Because that's your reward. Once you are out of this world, that profession ends here. In fact, in the legal profession, when a lawyer dies, before they bury him, they derobe him. Since he got it here, they collect it here. 
They will derobe him and remove everything that has to do with regalia for, for legal practice. They, re, they derobe him. Then they bury him, not a lawyer. He is buried without his legal title. No reward. Whatever profession you belong to has no reward after this life. Whether you are a physiotherapist or you are a, a, a whatever. You are in the oil field. You are a political leader. You are in the, all, all of those are professions. They have no reward. The only thing that Jesus will reward you for is his calling. That's why you need to know what is the hope of this calling. I'm teaching good. Everyone is quiet. Why now? Are you humbled? Please be very humbled. And remain humbled. All your PhDs. PhD this, PhD that, masters this, masters that, masters that. All ends here. What the world gives, the world takes. The only thing the world cannot take is what you received in Christ. And let me tell you this. Whatever you receive in Christ that has eternal reward is exclusive to people in Christ. And you didn't hear that. Whatever you receive in Christ that has eternal rewards is exclusive for only those in Christ. That means the call of God cannot be practiced by an unbeliever. You have to be in Christ to even know the calling Know the hope of the calling to walk in the calling and to fulfill the calling because it's supernatural. It's supernatural. It's not natural. Brother Paul was a tent maker but he didn't call tent making his calling. Peter was a fisherman but he didn't call fishermaning if there's English like that, his calling. I'm teaching Aquila and Priscilla were tent makers, but they never called that their calling. <laughs> There's a clear difference between calling and career. They are not the same. Your career is not your calling, and your calling is not your career. Pay attention here. Because it's very important, and I'm going to deal with this a lot more tomorrow in the first and second service. Because some people are deceived. They are deceived. Come for prayer. No, my own calling is, uh, is community services. Community services. I carry packs of Indomie. I carry packs of pure water. I carry packs of, 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 of Maltina. I share it among the underprivileged. That's my own calling. Who told you? Who deceived you? That's not a calling. That's philanthropy. You're doing that out of apathy as a human being. You don't want other human beings to be hungry, so you're sharing food. Bill Gates does it better than you. And he doesn't believe in your Christ. Do you know how many billions Bill Gates sends to Africa to take care of diseases in Africa? He's not doing it to be rewarded by Christ. He's doing it because as a human being, he wants other human beings around him to enjoy the health that life provides. So your own few cartons of Indomie, you're already calculating the reward of Jesus for that. Bill Gates is sending billions of dollars to Africa. He's not looking for reward. You, your few cartons of Indomie with few packs of pure water and a few cartons of, of Maltina, you're already saying, I shall be rewarded. My reward, my reward is for what? For Indomie? 
They are good services among humans. But they have no reward with Jesus. Teaching good? Some say, but Jesus said, you gave water to drink to these little ones. You did it for me. Is he talking to everybody or is he talking to people in the kingdom? He's talking to people in the kingdom. Where it has to do with our love work with one another. And we are rewarded for our love work with one another. Not our services in the secular world. If it's clear, say here. That you may know the hope of his calling. Now that prayer becomes very important. Hello. Some of you are not smiling again. Because suddenly you have a few cutters of it. <laughs> Glory to God. Say with me, I will serve the purpose of God in my lifetime. I didn't hear a powerful amen. Now, in Matthew chapter 19, <clears throat> before we get there, before we get there, so where are we now? We are at the end of the world which began 2,000 years ago. Did we establish that yesterday? End of the world began when Jesus began to finish what he started. So how will we know the end has been fulfilled? We look at the foundation. The foundation shows us the plan and the project. The same way when someone, when someone draws the plan, we follow the plan, we lay the foundation. So Genesis is the foundation. And you can see where we're going with the foundation. We know we have gotten to the end of what, of, of what we started to do in Genesis when we saw Jesus rose from the dead. Now, how do we know when it is gone bad? When in the process of the assignment something goes bad, we go back to Genesis to see what went bad and we fix it. So like I said, Genesis must be read like a house project. Read the Bible as God's building project. And if people are not getting what you are saying, say to them, come let me show you what I am saying. Since God is a spirit, and he communicates in visions. Then the people say, but we don't get what you're trying to say. So let me show you a picture. Visions. They say, we can't see visions. Let me show you a picture. So you bring the people to a class. And that's exactly the way Bible writers communicate. You bring the people to a class. What you are teaching is spiritual. But you bring them to a class where you reduce what you are teaching as spiritual into physical details. So, you'll be like Moses. Okay, guys. Since I am teaching you spirituals, they are not, they are not really resonating with you. Come, let me show you what God wants to do in the earth. Come, let me show you. Bring me artisans. Bring me carpenters. Bring me some builders. We know God is a builder. But let me get you some folks and let there be division of labor. So he now builds a physical tabernacle. 
Moses builds a physical tabernacle. It's merely a parable, an illustration of God's plan in the earth. So which means that all through the tabernacle, what Moses was doing was painting pictures of the reality. Now pay attention. We will keep needing the foundation to make correction. Things got bad. Things will go bad along the line. Things have changed from Genesis 1. We just had one humanity in Genesis chapter 1. That was Adam. Humanity. Don't say Eve because Eve is not in Genesis 1. Male and female in Adam. Humanity. Adam is used two ways. He is used number one, mankind. And is used number two as a physical person in Genesis chapter 2. So we have Adam the man who has male and female. So which means in the beginning there was just one tribe. In the beginning there was just one culture. In the beginning there was just one race of people. Now don't forget the beginning is the plan. Hello. The beginning is the plan. One tribe, one culture, one people, one nation, just one. Then Genesis chapter 11, humanity is scattered. Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel. Everyone is scattered. So God now calls Abraham to restart the project. God calls Abraham to restart the project. Glory to God. So Abraham starts, restarts the Genesis project. So we keep going back to the beginning, where the plan is, the foundation of the world, to know what things were gone bad. So when they come to Jesus and brought culture, something that Moses permitted. They came to Jesus with culture, something that Moses permitted. Can a man put away his wife? Matthew 19. A man. Watch, watch. Can a man put away his wife? Not can a husband put away his wife? Can a man? He is a man, but she is not a woman. She is a wife. The man defined the woman by being a wife. So he now says put away. Like the male was superior. Jesus said okay hold on. Did you not read the plan? Did you not read the plan? What God is building in the earth? Did you not read that what God is building in the earth. Supersedes marriage relationship. It supersedes culture and it supersedes tribe and it supersedes religion and it supersedes a race. Have you not read that what God is building on the earth, male and female are equal of two sides. Male, one side. Female, the second side that forms the home of God. Great and small. Slave, rich, poor, the same in God's project. So he takes him to the beginning. Have you not read? And 
when, when, when you say, this is what it was in the beginning, he now says to him, in the resurrection, what was in the beginning is what shall be obtained. In the resurrection. Why does he systematically always begin from Genesis? Because that's where the plan is. See, if you are building a house and the builders are not sure, what do they do? They send for the architect. What does the architect do? Does? He comes with the plan. They put the plan open. They say, okay, let's check. That pillar, I can't find it in the plan. How did you bring it down? That pillar is not in the plan. So they remove the formwork. That, that, that block wall there is supposed to be glass, not block. Bring it down now. They bring it down. Why? They use the plan to correct the structure. So, as we keep advancing the purpose of God, if we are not sure of something, we go back to the plan. That's why every time Jesus taught, he began from Genesis, where the plan is. Am I teaching here? Where the plan is. We go back to where the plan is. Now, so the plan of God, the plan of God is the fact that God is building a home. Now, pay attention. So, Matthew also, brother Matthew, the writer of Matthew, also wrote the book of Matthew. Look at Matthew chapter 1 verse 1. Pay attention. Matthew chapter 1 verse 1. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. The book of the generation. So, the beginning of the book of Matthew, he begins with the generation. Generation means Genesis. The book of the Genesis of Jesus Christ. The son of David, the son of Abraham. So Matthew starts his book from Genesis. Jesus always goes to Genesis. Matthew is writing his his gospel. He begins from Genesis. In Mark chapter 1 verse 1 again, look at the way Mark will begin his writing. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. What is beginning? Genesis. So, the genesis of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, Mark also begins from Genesis. The two of them. But Matthew and Mark, they use the word Genesis. Now, Luke may not have started his book with that word. But by the time you get to Luke chapter 24, beginning at Moses and all the prophets. John was very clear. In the beginning was the world. In Genesis. And the world was with God. And the world was God. So, But Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, they began their books from Genesis. Just like Jesus will teach beginning at Moses where in Genesis so we are human desires human creation has changed our focus we go back to the hope of his calling and where is that contained Genesis remember I told you the word hope is a cause to follow the word hope is the plan the plan, that cause that has been charted for you. So Genesis is where we know what the plan of God is. 
It's very terrible when some preachers all these years have used the book of Genesis for material blessings. They have robbed us of the plan. People get angry when I teach that the snake couldn't have been literal. That there were no trees in the garden. Even till today, people still get angry. I don't know why. I don't know why at all. Yesterday, I stumbled on something, Pastor Praise, on Facebook. And the guy said, I'm not very educated. But when I listen to Dr. Damina preach, I understand everything. But I see educated people not understanding. It is hid from the wise and the prudent. It is only revealed to the foolish and to babes, the things of the spirit. (laughs) You don't need to be intelligent to understand it. You just need to have an open heart and a simple attitude, simple approach. The word of God comes alive. But when you're too complicated, you become too complicated to understand the simplicity that is in Christ. So you end up rolling on the floor and carrying calabash. They baptize you with powder. And they tell in the night to carry olive oil and move very gently. Make sure your, your toes, the sound of your foot is not hard. They tell you when you move like that in the night, that is how you get breakthrough. And you see a whole PhD holder carrying olive oil in the night like a small witch. With two shining eyes in darkness. We give you Christ, you say it's too simple. You will carry goat to the bush. (laughs) You will carry goat on your head to the bush alone. I'm going to roast it and eat alone. (laughs) There is a simplicity that is required in understanding Christ. Hallelujah. Beware, let any man spoil you. Let any man spoil you. So Genesis is where we know the plan. Genesis is where we know the plan. Remember, when a scripture is misinterpreted, oftentimes a truth is lost. When you don't know what the foundation of the earth is, you won't know what the end of the world is. The end of the world. So Genesis lets us know where we missed it. It lets us know who we are. The book of Genesis lets us know what the plan is. So when Jesus said, whatever God has joined together, let no man put asunder, they got upset and said, why then did Moses permit that a bill of divorcement should be put to her? They went to the fifth part of the book, I mean fifth part of, you know, of the Bible, Deuteronomy. And Jesus said, no, you cannot read Deuteronomy before you read Genesis. Read Genesis first before you read Deuteronomy. Now, look at Matthew 19.7. Matthew 19.7. They say unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? Next verse. Oh, I love this. He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. They went to Deuteronomy 24 verse 1. Jesus went to Genesis 1 and 2. Because if you start from Deuteronomy, you will not know what went wrong. Because something went wrong. Jesus now said, Moses, in view of the hardness of your heart, 
it was not so from the beginning. Things went wrong. That's why Moses permitted you to give a writing of divorcement. Moses pros sclerocardian. Moses pros sclerocardian, the Greek. Moses looking at the hardness of your heart. Or Moses in view of the hardness of your heart. Then he said, Prosclerocardian entrospian hemon. That is suffered you to put away your wives. That is Moses only allowed you. So that means in scripture, we are going to find things that God never allowed. God never permitted things that God never started but only permitted. We are going to find in scripture things that God never started but only permitted or accommodated. And one of the things that God accommodated was a physical temple. (laughs) You didn't hear that. One of the things that God accommodated was a physical temple. That temple of Moses. That temple of Solomon. God didn't start it. God only accommodated it. You know the temple was not the original intention. He says I will be with you and I will be in you. So when these guys got into stiff neck, stiff neck situation. He said okay Moses. Since they are in that condition. Build a temple for them. They will, so that they will understand what we are trying to say. The holiest of all. <laughs> Dr. Gabe, you know, the holiest of all was not in the original plan. It was not. It wasn't in the original plan. The original plan was the Garden of Eden, which has no fences. It has no barrier. The Garden of Eden. But when it comes to the hardness of heart, he said, give them a building. So that they can see what you are saying. But at the beginning, it was not so. What's the beginning again? The plan. So every time we keep going back to the plan to check whether we are building according to pattern. Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning... It was not so. So when Paul says to know the hope of his calling, that is still our focus. What is that calling? Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Put it up for me, verse 2. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Verse 3. And God said, Let there be light and there was light. So light came out of darkness. Look at verse 4. And God saw the light that it was good and God divided the light from the darkness. To it was tob. The word good is T-O-W-B in the Hebrew. It was tob. Verse 5. 
And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. He called the light. God called the light. Can you change it to, he named the light. Or he gave the light a purpose. He called. He named it or he gave it a purpose. So the first thing he does is he calls light out of darkness. Now how many of you remember, I told you there are three, three ways to explain the call. You remember? A few days ago. Okay. So he calls, calls you out. Then he separates you from the world. Then he named you by giving you a purpose. He called you out. He separates you from the world. Then he names you or gives you a purpose to live. He called the light day. The word light there is quara. Q-A-R-A in the Hebrew. Quara means to name. To name. Now the ancient Israelite named according to purpose. So naming in Israel is purpose. The naming of anything is to give it a purpose. When you name, you give purpose. So God begins to name. When God begins to name, what is he doing? Don't forget, we said God is building a home. And in building the home, he is giving everything a purpose. For you have created all things, and for your pleasure they are, and we are created. Light, you are day. Darkness, you are night. He's giving everything a purpose. So God's calling is number one, salvation. The call of God is number one, salvation. Number two, separation. Three things. Number one, salvation. Number two, separation. Number three, purpose. The call of God on anyone begins with salvation, then separation, then purpose. So when God calls something, he calls it to give it purpose. You see that in the garden. Whatever Adam called them was their name thereof. So which means Adam called out the purpose of the animals. In Genesis 1.26. Watch this. Genesis 1.26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. And over the fowl of the air. And over the cattle. And over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God calls man into his image and likeness. Man is called into God's image and likeness. God says you will function in my image and in my likeness. So what exactly is this? What is his image after his likeness? Now, how many of you know that I did say that what is used in the temple where you have an object, okay, an image, 
A likeness is what is used in the temple where you have an object that represents the unseen God. You remember that? Okay. They put that in there and the thing is standing. Some people, some they will tie it red ribbon and it will be looking. But no eyes. But there's eyes. Then when you come, they say, stop looking at it like that. Bow your head. <laughs> Bow your head. Where is the fowl you brought? Because <laughs> you can identify with foul spirits. <laughs> I, saw, I saw in the chat, some people in South Africa in our campus say that when I come to South Africa, they should give me one food that they use fowl to cook. And they said it where I can read it. So now I have seen it. When I go, <laughs> I'll carry my food from Nigeria. I'll go and eat and come back. <laughs> Their plan is busted. <laughs> because they chatted where I can see it. And they thought I would not go and check. <laughs> the spirit led me there. There's a divine conspiracy. <laughs> when we get there, <laughs> I will not eat anything that is close to chicken. I'll eat fish. <laughs> you are caught. <laughs> Foul spirit. <laughs> you know, I just like to, I like to play sometimes, you know. <laughs> amen. I said, amen. Because the last time I checked, God was laughing. If you find any child of God that is not laughing, you need to check where he's coming from. Because the only person that is always frowning is Satan. Because he always comes to steal and no thief smiles. <laughs> he comes to kill. No killer laughs. Eh? And he comes to destroy. No destroyer laughs in the process of destruction. So Satan doesn't laugh at all. Because his mission is not connected to smile. That's why sometimes those people that do movies. It's like them and Satan have seen. Because they really describe him. Something close. <laughs> but God is always laughing. See, and the Lord shall laugh. Amen. So if you find a believer that doesn't laugh, it's a suspect. Because laughter is the serious business of heaven. Glory to God. Glory to God. Turn and look at your neighbor. If he's not smiling, tell him, I'm suspecting you. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. So which means primarily my fundamental purpose on earth is to be a representative of the unseen God. I represent the supernatural world. The image is the bridge between the natural and the supernatural. Is the bridge between the natural and the supernatural. The image is the bridge between the supernatural and the natural, which means as a child of God, I am called to function in two worlds. A child of God is called to function in two worlds. Our calling is to be in his image after his likeness. The truth is, Paul only used, how many, look at me, look at me, how many of you know that 
apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors, and teachers. How many of you know that that combination only appeared in a verse? Huh? You never find that combination anywhere else. Yet that is what many churches have built their doctrine of ministry on. A verse that does not even have a reputation. That does not even have a second witness. Because actually that verse, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher is found in one man. It's one man that is the apostle, the same man that is the prophet, the same man that is the evangelist, the same man that is the pastor and teacher. There are functions that are found in the gift of ministry to serve the body of Christ. That's why the elder is the shepherd, the shepherd is the bishop. And the bishop is the evangelist. Are we teaching good here? The truth is, Brother Paul only used that verse. The closest to it will be 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And even in that one, there are only three similar functions. Only three. But then we can now go to the beginning. What do we do? If, if we don't understand what is happening to the building project, what do we go back to? We go back to Genesis. And what do we do in Genesis? We check the plan. We check the plan. We check the plan. In the beginning, humankind has the same purpose and the same office. Be fruitful. Multiply. Replenish the earth. He's not talking about physical reproduction. How many wives will you marry to fill the earth with children? He's not talking about natural reproduction. He's talking about evangelism. It's talking about the mandate of bringing men to the knowledge of Christ and filling the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. So you see, the calling of God is not something that happens after you are saved. The calling of God on your life is something that happens before you are saved. God called you before you got born again. But the call comes into effect when you are saved and begin to grow in the knowledge of Christ. But the call has been there before you got saved. It's not after you got born again that God now says, I have a calling for you. No, before you got born again, the call of God has been there waiting for you. God calls before you got saved. Now that you are saved, you've answered the call. Now that you're growing in salvation, you begin to realize that call and walk in that call. You begin to function in it. That's why I said to Jeremiah, do not say I'm a child. While you were yet in your mother's womb, I knew thee and I called you. In your mother's womb. I ordained you, I knew you. My call was upon you from the point of conception. And what he says to Jeremiah, he says to all of us, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Paul said, when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb? When it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb to reveal his glory in me? But Paul did not answer the call from his mother's womb, but the call was there. Instead of answering the call, he was wasting those that were called. Then, along the line, 
Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Who are you? I'm Jesus, whom you persecute. What will you have me do for you? Arise. God shall show you what to do. He got saved. And now he answered the call and began to walk in the reality of that call. So every one of you was called right from your mother's womb. But the moment you got born again, you answered that call. And the moment you answered the call, you began to grow in the knowledge of Christ. In that growth, you woke up to your responsibility to bring men to the knowledge of Christ. So there's a call of God on your life. I'm teaching good tonight. Yeah, there's a call of God on your life. Say with me very loud, there's a call of God on my life. Say, I have answered the call and I will fulfill the call. Say it again, I have answered the call and I will fulfill the call. So, there's a call of God on you from the moment your mother conceived you, but salvation brings a call to you. Salvation brings a call to you. Jesus said, nobody comes to me except I call him and he has called you. He called you long ago. Praise God. And when the gospel came, it was the announcement of the call. When you received the gospel, it was response to the call. Now that you are born again, a separation takes place. And along with that separation comes an awareness of the purpose. And that purpose is to preach the gospel. Bring men from darkness to light. That call of God upon your life is to preach. Be fruitful multiply replenish the earth subdue it and have dominion that's the call of god and it's a collective call it's a corporate call all of us have been called to be fruitful all of us so which means that ministry ministry that jesus has given to us is the same the same the same that's why prophet apostle evangelist pastoring teachers are functions in the life of a man that is called by God. They are functions. In the life of a man. That is called by God. You are called to reveal God's glory. To manifest the glory of God. To fill the earth. With the knowledge of God's glory. As the water covers the sea. Are you excited tonight? Are you blessed tonight? Stand on your feet tonight friends. Stand on your feet tonight. So with me, I respond to the call of God upon my life. I'd like you to turn to your neighbor and say, hey neighbor, that call has been there. That call has been there. Before you were born, the call of God for your life has been there. Salvation brought it to you. Now that you are saved, you are separated from the world to live in that purpose. There's a purpose. And that purpose is be fruitful. Multiply. Replenish the earth. Subdue it. Fill the earth with the glory of the Lord. That's the call of God on your life. I didn't hear a powerful amen. i like you to walk to three people and tell them, hey, your career is not your calling. Your career is not your calling.
Tell your neighbor your career is your is your career. <laughs> Tell your neighbor your calling is superior to your career. Your career ends here. Your career is your choice. Your calling is what God called you before you were born. And fulfillment is not in your career. It's in your calling. Your fulfillment is not in your career. So if you're a doctor, if you're a nurse, if you're a lawyer, if you're a teacher, you're a baker, yeah? you are a cook, you are a cleaner, you are a janitor, that's what they call him, right? You are a janitor, you are a carpenter, you are a mechanic, whatever, you are an entertainer, you are what? Yeah? You are what else? You are a shell? Or a chef? Okay, you are a chef? Or a cookery? <laughs> Is that not what a chef does? A chef does the cooking. So that's why it's a cookery. What else? <laughs> eh? A fashion designer? They are called tailor. <laughs> they are a tailor. <laughs> a musician. Iwaka, Iwaka. You are a musician? A footballer? 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 You don't want to be a mechanic, you want to baller. <laughs> None of those is your calling. Those are your career. Those are your natural professions that came out of your natural desire and talents. Your calling is supernatural. Those are natural. Hey? There's no supernatural footballer. Except the Indian ones. <laughs> I didn't say anything, no. I just said, except the Indian ones. Have you read the story of the Indian footballers? Where they play the match, and when the guy kicks the ball, the goalkeeper will see lion coming. Yeah! So the goalkeeper will run away. <laughs> and the ball will enter. 100 goals in less than 30 minutes effortlessly. That's supernatural football. <laughs> Don't try that, right? That's supernatural. FIFA cannot allow that. <laughs> because that is against the rules of football. Because football is supposed to be natural. No be so? It's supposed to be natural. But this one is supernatural. Every time he carries ball, everybody will clear. Uh-uh. That's no more football. Why are they running away? Say, ah, when he was coming, we saw tiger and lions. Ah. So we left the field and he went and scored. Even the goalkeeper. <laughs> that, that is no more natural. That has become supernatural football. And there's nothing like supernatural football because career and professions are natural. But the call of God is supernatural. Is it getting clear? That's why it's not by might nor by power. It's by my spirit. Ministry is a work of the spirit. You fulfill it in the spirit. Praise God. And that is what has eternal reward. 
So ladies and gentlemen, we arise and answer the call to ministry. And we do ministry unapologetically. Because that's the mandate of God on the earth. Thank you Lord Jesus. Lift your right hands to heaven and say with me, I receive the call of God. I respond to the call of God. And I walk worthy of my calling. I walk worthy of my calling. I am strengthened with might by the Spirit of God. I receive supernatural resources to fulfill the mandate of God. In the name of Jesus. Now lift your hands and begin to give him thanks tonight. Jeko Shakola Tababra. Faithfully see who call it to also will do it. Give him praise. Begin to thank him for the privilege to preach the gospel. For the privilege to fulfill his divine mandate. For the privilege to fulfill your supernatural assignment. For the privilege to walk in the will of God. Lebo Shakante Kelina Mambro. Lebro Zakele de Bobra. Rakota Bengale Nemo Satane Kalina Mamo Shakayada. Angele de Begin to thank God. Thank him for the privilege. To preach his word, Lebro Shakele de Bosakata, Mangre Gedesekila and Amanda, Agalada Babara Katone Kelia. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, look at me, everybody. Gideon said to God, I'm the least in my father's house, and I'm the smallest. And the angel of the Lord looked at Gideon and said, Go in this your might. The angel did not have response for least. He did not have response for small. Those are languages that are strange. Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. Gideon said, no, you are mistaken. I'm not the one you're talking to. I'm the least. My, my father's house is the least in the village. I can't be Possibly that mighty man of valor. And the angel looked at him and said, Go in this your might. With 300 men, he did exploits. He beat the record. Maybe tonight you're feeling like, I don't think I'm the one Papa is talking about. To be a part of what God is doing on the earth. I don't think I'm the one Papa is talking about. I have news for you. Go in this your might. I'd like you to turn to two, three people and tell them, Go in this your might. There is might on your inside. You are not ordinary. You are born of God. You are born of the Spirit. The power of God is upon you. Go in this your might. Say, I will go in this my might. Turn to somebody and say, This sign shall follow you. As you go, you heal the sick. You cast out devils. You preach the word in and out of season. You drink deadly things. It shall not hurt you. Go in this your might. I didn't hear a powerful amen. Strengthen with might by his spirit. Where? In the inner man. Somebody shout, I am energized. I am empowered by God to do exploits in my generation. 
Turn to your neighbor say, I am those that God has given to me. We are for signs and wonders upon Israel. I didn't hear a powerful amen. Go where? In this your mind. See, I'm a city taker. I'm a territory taker. I am a continent taker. I am full of mind. I didn't hear a powerful amen. You go and look at that community where you have a house church. You go and look at that community where you have your campus. You go and look at that community where you have a house church. And look at that community and say to the community, I have come to take you. It's not apologetic. No, I have come. I'm not seeking permission. I'm not seeking consent. I have come community to take you. Say, I'm a community taker. Say, I am full of might by the Spirit of God. Let's pray for one another in the Spirit. Pray for your neighbor to go and take his community, to go and take his society, to go and take the environment where his house church or house center is. Let's pray together for one another. Pray, pray, pray. Let's pray for those that are pastoring campuses to go and take their campuses. Lebro shakala tabasa. Membro gadongo zobe reketina kalana mamamos. Lebro jakale de baso dobo boroko tonakalada baba. I have set you over nations and over kingdoms. I have set you over territories. I have set you over communities. I have set you over cities. I have set you over nations. I have set you over territories. Leka shonta la barakatana. Babro gadozo bereketina kalana masotia. Lebro jakalana mambo labora katena. Agara dabaso. Agala namata. Agala dabaya. Agara dabaso. Agara dabata. Angele rebo shakala rababa. Angele rebo sota tete. I am set over nations. I am set over kingdoms. I am set over communities. I am set over nations to root out whatever my father has not planted shall be rooted out in my community, in my society. Whatever God has not planted, I come as a bulldozer. I root out. I root out. I overthrow. I destroy. I destroy. I overthrow. Whatever is not of God, I put down i pull down i cast down imaginations i cast down reasonings i cast down mindsets i cast down ideas i cast down philosophies and reasonings that are contrary to the word of god i pull them down agasontala 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 angelere I pull down, I overthrow whatever my father has not planted. I dismantle the God of this world, his influence over the minds of men. I break down ideologies, philosophies that are contrary to the gospel. I bring them under subjection to the obedience of Christ. I declare that God's word goes forth like a hammer to break the rocks. God's word goes forth like fire to burn off the 
chaff, God's word, God's fault, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing anger so paraka, la grata sake, agato belatata, angelereboshata, I cast down imaginations, I destroy whatever is not of God, angelereboshata, we preach the word, in and out of season, we plant, we plant the seed of God's word, we declare that the word goes forth, angelereboshata, agato beleta, agato beleta, and the Lord watching over his word to perform he said I will hasten my word to perform it take over that territory take over that community darkness has no power over light darkness has no power over light you are the light of the world you are the light of the world you are a city set on a hill shine the light the entrance of his word give it light you preach the word in and out of season lose that hand and pray for yourself i receive boldness i receive boldness I preach the word with boldness. I preach the word with boldness. Leka sotabaya. Leka sotabaya. Leka sotabaya. Leka sotabaya. We are not of they that draw back. We are of they that press forward to the saving of the soul. Liga dombe jakaya. Liga dombe jakaya. Liga jombe dokaya. Liga zombie gedaya. Mambranda lota soka. Hegebojaka. Boldness. Boldness. I preach the word with boldness. Le shakaya. Le shakaya. Le shakaya. Thank you, Lord. Lift your hands and give him praise. Give him praise tonight. Intentionally give him praise. Oh, shakola tabaya. We are partakers of the divine nature. Partakers of your life. Partakers of your mandate. Partakers of your calling. Partakers of your glory. Partakers of your grace. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let's celebrate answered prayers tonight. Is that how you celebrate answers? Celebrate boldness. 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 We preach the word with boldness. Glory. Amen. Say with me, my community will hear this gospel. By my hands, men will come to the knowledge of the truth. Through me, ministry prospers. In Jesus' name. I didn't hear a good amen. I tell you, friends, there's a massive call of God on your life, and it will be fulfilled. I didn't hear that. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. I want to take up your offerings quickly before we go. Your honor offerings for the radio audience. I'm going to read the bank accounts for you. If you're listening, you want to give an offering to support what we do. Power City International, FCMB, 29826820282. 
2028 FCMB Zerid Bank 10123659121012 Zenith Bank 10123659121 Power City International You don't also want to miss tomorrow's service 7 a.m. first service I'll be live at 8 a.m. And 10 a.m. second service I'll be live at 11 a.m. Online community, the banking details are scrolling. For those of you watching on television, watching on the social media platforms, what a joy and an honor. Tomorrow I'll talk about my books. The two books are out. We'll talk about them tomorrow in the service. Amen. Are you excited about it? We'll talk about them tomorrow. All right. Lift up your offerings. We want to give in faith. We want to give in honor of Christ tonight. Father, everyone giving in this building, everyone giving online and on radio, thank you for the privilege to give and honor the finished work of Christ, to honor the, the, the responsibility of global evangelism. We do not keep our resources from, from you. We've made our resources available for the advancement of the kingdom. And we thank you for answers to prayer. In Jesus' precious name, and every believer says a powerful amen. I didn't hear that amen. amen. Well, guys, we're about to sign you off. We love you. Tell more people to be part of tomorrow morning, first and second service, as we continue to explore understanding the call of God for your life. We love you guys. We look forward to seeing you tomorrow. First service, 8 a.m. GMT plus one. Second service, 11 a.m. GMT plus one. All right, guys. Let's celebrate viewers around the world for being a part of this service tonight. Glory! Amen! We trust.